trying to protect with these with these mandates? I hear I hear a saying that's thrown out all the time, which is, you know, if it's so great, why mandated? And and who are we protecting? We're protecting individuals who made the decision for themselves and their own families not to get vaccinated. We've had plenty of time to be educated on, you know, all the best things about the vaccine or maybe some of the side effects. We've been able to make decisions for ourselves whether or not we want to take that vaccine and where's our where's our American rights, you know, to to make these choices for ourselves and I just can't believe we're in a day and age where we're really talking about these mandates. You know, it wasn't long ago we had people like President Biden who would say things like I would never mandate, you know, why, why would I ever do that? He would almost act as if astonished, you know, that he would be asked such a question as if it's conspiracy theorists, again, from the right, who would bring it up, Rick, and here we are, right? We're about to lose 15,000 uh, uh, frontline medical workers, you know, to a to a mandate where they're going to lose their jobs. Otherwise, we've got teachers who, you know, are invaluable to the to our, our state's future, who, who educate our children, who are now being mandated to take this vaccine. And there's the opportunity, right? I mean, we talk about to get a conservative into the governor's office, we got to start turning the hearts and minds of many Oregonians. Well, when was the last time that you had a Republican candidate say that they could go get 30% of that public employee, frontline healthcare worker, you know, educator vote. And I think because of these mandates and this overreach and this tyrannical leadership, Rick, we have a real chance to do something special here. Okay. So I have to tell you and my audience, um, Facebook's been all messed up all day. So it just started at the beginning of your soundbite there. The show actually just started. I kept going, how come nobody's coming on here and saying anything? Yeah. And I realized it wasn't clicked in. So you guys, this is Stan Pulliam. He's the mayor of Sandy, Oregon. He is a candidate for governor on the Republican ticket. He's joining us. I'm going to catch you guys up. We also have some teachers who are coming up. Uh, there's a rally tomorrow night, and they're going to be talking with us a little bit. And then at the end, I'm going to have Bill London on doing the news. This is how... This is what live television is. You just <laughs> kind of go with the flow. So we'll have some news at the end and talk about that as well. So Stan, you think that this is going to actually end up being um, actually good um, in terms of, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess you look for a blessing in disguise, right? And and, and that really is, is it's the opportunity. It's not like things were so great here in Oregon before, but now the light's been turned on. You know, you have so many Oregonians and neighbors who they don't think that the politics in Washington, D.C. or Salem impact their lives. Well, look at where we are now, Rick. We were just talking about these 15,000, you know, frontline healthcare workers who are going to rally, who will not rally. These are the educators are, but healthcare workers that are going to lose their jobs because they're not going to be able to make a healthcare decision for themselves in the privacy of their own homes. We have educators, you know, who are rallying here tomorrow night. I mean, think about it. When was the last time we had conservatives standing side by side with educators and public employees and healthcare workers against tyrannical control of the left? Some unprecedented opportunity. And don't I, because when I'm talking to friends and people, this is not a right left issue this really comes down to and i i think people like to try to make it out to be that but it really i don't find it to be that i think there's a lot of i'm getting a lot of calls and people who work um in the industries that take care of people with different abilities and who are you know healthcare workers like that going we, we're, we're losing our career we're, we're not going to have a job anymore and these are people who normally um were, would call themselves more progressive um but now they're going you know i I think it pushed too far when right. you started mandating. And now when I hear this whisper of passports, what do you think of that whole idea? 
Well, you know, you say it's not a Republican or a Democrat issue. You're right. It's an American issue. And we talk a lot about uniting people. Well, how about we unite through individual choice and decision making? The only time I ever really get upset at anyone is when they tell me what to do. It's hard to get it's hard to get upset when you're making decisions for yourselves. And you think about we talk a lot about, you know, politicians in Portland forcing their values and their beliefs onto the rest of us. How about this? People in Portland make the decisions for people in Portland and people in the communities across the state. We make the decisions for ourselves and we make these individual uh, decisions on our healthcare decisions. And, and I mean, think about it. The same folks, Rick, who want to call people a racist for insisting on an ID to vote on our most treasured, you know, think for our country, our democracy, our right to vote are the same folks who are now insisting on a on a vaccine passport just to go to your local grocery store to Oregon Duck football games or anything else, I think it's outrageous and it's against the American way. So Stan, tell, tell people where you're going to be and what you're going to do. And then we'll, we'll, I know you have things you have to, you have meetings to go to. Me, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a mayor. I, I got a city council meeting that's starting here at, at six o'clock. I got to take off too. But yeah, so Thursday uh, from five to seven o'clock uh, at a along came Trudy's there in uh, in Springfield. Uh, we're going to be giving a little bit of a speech and a rally, taking questions, and most importantly, telling people how to get involved in the successful effort that's going to take Oregon back. Uh, uh, that's what we're doing on Thursday night. We're looking forward to it. All right, Stan Pilliam, thank you for being with us, a Republican candidate for governor. I appreciate your time and uh, welcome. We'll thank you. Thursday. Thanks, Rick. And please visit our website at stanpilliam.org. Have a great night, everybody. Let's get Facebook back up and going, huh? Yeah, it's there. It's just kind of making weird things. See you later, man. So again, you guys, uh, the show's a little out of sync uh, because we had uh, <clears throat> some issues with Facebook today, obviously. And so we'll have... Bill London will be doing the news at the end of the show because I want to make sure we get our teachers on here as well. Um, comments, not just teachers, also custodians and school cooks. And we're going to talk just about that, Alyssa, in just a second here because you're right. Um, it is a bunch of different people. Um, in fact, so let's just bring these folks on. We've got Carrie, Joe, and Nick. And I'm going to put me down here because if somebody comments, um, I don't want you guys to be um, covered up. Nick, you and I are going to get covered up. We'll yeah, let Joe I get it. and Jerry take the whole thing. So talk to me about you guys kind of, Terry, why don't you start? Talk to me about your job, what you guys are doing. You obviously have chosen not to get the vaccine, um, even though it's being mandated. And that means you're, does that mean you're going to lose your jobs? Yes. So uh, the Springfield School District has um, accepted our religious, or religious exceptions but the accommodation that they're providing for all staff who have requested this is unpaid leave. And that will begin on October 19th. So any so staff who is um, turned this exception in, this is our accommodation. So your accommodation is you, you, you're still employed, but you don't get paid and you're on leave. Correct. We're on um, leave for the rest of this school year, unpaid leave. We haven't lost our job rights. So we have our job rights still, and we will have to let the district know in April of next year if we intend to return next year, next school year. So, Nick, what could this potentially do to our students in our school? I mean, because I understand that they're, they're, they're looking for people like crazy to fill the classrooms. Yeah. Rick, there, I, I sub and I love subbing. I get to work with amazing administrators and they're, they're working so hard right now. 
and trying to fill in gaps. I get calls from um, office administrators. Well, they're not getting paid. They're hourly workers and they're calling at night to try to fill positions. And there's unfilled positions going every day in our schools. And now they're going to remove 50 plus of us and, and not let us be, be able to teach. And I love my job so much because I get to serve administrators. I get to serve teachers. I get to serve kids by going in and filling a hole, following the teacher's direction, doing a good job, especially in middle school. You know, you got to make sure that they don't burn the place down. And, um, and they're, but they're so precious. And these, these kids, they, they need those classroom sizes. And now I'm, now I'm concerned that, um, speaking of this precious kid, um, uh, now I'm concerned what's going to happen is you're going to have bigger class sizes, which does that, does that even make sense? That's what I kind of was thinking. I said to my wife the other day, doesn't that mean you'd have more kids in a room, which is more dangerous, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from what we're hearing anyway. Yeah. And so that kind of defeats the whole purpose. But yeah. why, so, so all three of you, so I, I, I'm going to just ask this for people on the, you know, the, the, the vaccine side, what do you say to parents who say, I don't want my kid in a classroom with a teacher that hasn't been vaccinated? Rick, I'd, I'd jump into that one probably and say at the school that I'm at, Thurston High School, 90% of the staff is vaccinated that I know of. There are six of us who aren't. So there are lots of options for finding a different place. Like I'm one English teacher at the 11th grade, so there's another one that they can go to. And if they're uneasy that way, I know counselors and administrators would be glad to make that change for them. And I've been happy to do that too in my communications at home, if, that if there is any discomfort or any unease from parents, we're happy to work with them because we care about their kids and we want them to be safe and comfortable so they can learn the things that we give them. So what do you say to the people who are going to say, well, why don't you just get the vaccine because you're putting our kids at risk? I would say that's what the counseling office is for. And so there's plenty of ways to get around that if you're uncomfortable with it and then have you in a different place. And I know that would be a difficulty to arrange schedules and the counselors are all brand new at our school as well, too. But I would say the other side of things and looking at it is we're told over and over again as teachers that the two most important things for a kid's education is the adult in the room, like a qualified teacher. And then second, it's extracurriculars. And that the effect of this mandate on the school is going to be to strip away, by last I counted, three extracurricular programs and put them in the hands of a brand new person and one sport. So all the kids who are there at school because they're really motivated because of those extra programs, they're now going to, to suffer because they have someone brand new trying to figure out not just teaching, but also um, administrating and organizing and leading those different um, extracurriculars and then sports as well, too. Rick, Rick, can I make a point yeah, yeah. On, on the vaccinated? Because if they when if they remove us, there's still going to be unvaccinated kids. A, a large majority of kids in the schools are unvaccinated. And the way that this district deals with vaccinations now with other vaccines, and this is a different vaccine, but let's just talk about how they handle exemptions, is that students can get an exemption for vaccines today and they still go to school. And so this idea that, like, what are they gonna do for kids? Cause there's talk about, you know, there's been approval for some of the vaccines for kids. And so are they gonna mandate kids too, to all get the vaccine once it's approved and or, or are they going to give them a, a religious exemption like they have in the past? Or are they going to kick them to distance learning? Like, 
either I, I think they'll accept it like they already have with the other vaccines. And so why not just have the same standard for teachers and, and staff? I'm like, we have some wonderful custodians and cooks um, and tremendous EAs. Why don't we just have the same standard for students and staff? That that makes sense to me scientifically. Um, because I know for me, this has been a personal decision. And I'm not saying I won't get vaxxed at some point. And but as I'm processing it, and as my wife and I pray about it, as we weigh different things, we aren't quite there yet. People that know me know I care deeply about kids and staff. And this has been very difficult. And so that idea that we just don't care, that that's not true. I, I know a lot of these educators, they work so hard in these schools. So ju just a thought on that. Have you guys seen, have you been treated poorly by people? Not, not staff. Staff I've talked to, even pro-vax staff has been so kind, even though we've disagreed. Yep. When you can have a conversation with somebody and look them face to face, and, and these are people we've labored with too. And I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't take all the airtime. I just, I just feel very strongly about my, my vaccinated friends that I've shared with have been very kind. Is, is that what bothers, <clears throat> bothers you guys? Kind of, it, it what's bugged me the most is that this is pitting people against each other and it and it shouldn't and it doesn't have to and when in in life have we ever but people go oh well we've never been in a pandemic well actually i think h1n1 was a pandemic too i think it was classified as one i learned some interesting facts online i learned because i had that it says you now have a super um immune system that they've done research and from h1n1 those people that had it and survived it have a super immune system and they're trying that you, and, and I haven't had the flu since then. So yeah. that's just a sidebar. I thought it was really interesting. You're educators. I'm helping. I'm educating. <laughs> Carrie, so tell me this, what surprises you the most about this whole thing in your teaching career and what you're, what's going, what's happening right now? Um, what surprises me the most is how discounted my work that I've done with the district seems to be portrayed at this point. Um, this is my 24th year with Springfield. I have um, taught second grade, third grade, and most years in kindergarten. I'm a highly valued employee, I thought. Um, I contribute to my building's leadership committee. I've committed or done curriculum adoption. I've participated in, in report card alignment programs, um, bringing a character education into our schools. And because of my one personal choice the district is it feels to me as though now they're saying well you're not you're not aligning with this for us so you're going to go ahead and go here and it feels like a kick in the stomach honestly just after the years of dedication that i've put into this district and it feels it's a little hard it's a little hard to swallow i want to be here for the kids um that's always been my mission in teaching is to, you know, teach kids, but also build them up as a person, build up their character, um, love on them and just develop them as a little person. I teach kindergarten. So, you know, I'm the first face they see. And, and now this year, um, the district and the whole state's um, Department of Education's whole um, theme this year is care and connection. With us coming back from COVID, so many families have been disconnected and students were on online school and different things. And now the whole first month of school has all been, the focus has been care and connection. They want us to really establish these relationships with kids, with families, so they feel 
welcomed into school and secure back where they are. And now all of us that are in the same situation are going to get cast aside and we don't know what's going to happen with our classes. We don't know what's going to happen with our, our students. Um, so that for me is the hardest part, I think. I was trying to shut off my mic so the train wouldn't get you guys when it goes by, but so what in, and this may be too hard to answer. And if it is, then don't, just don't do it. Um, but what's the lesson that you think you're going to be teaching kids in 10 years about this whole thing of what happened here? I know none of you are really sociology teachers, but is there a lesson we learn that that we can perceive that's coming? Well, Rick, I would weigh in on that one, and probably say I'm just an English teacher, so I tend to opine maybe more easily than other folks. I do have to say, just as a sidebar, though, Carrie, I would love to have my kindergartners in your class, just listening to you right now. A wonderful description of what you do with them. Uh, but the way I would answer that probably, Rick, is the thing to teach people would be that courage is hard, but it's worth it. It takes a lot to stand up and put your face out there and put your opinion out there. And so many of the staff that's talked to me, as Nick spoke about earlier, they've kind of come up almost conspiratorially and like tapped me on the shoulder and like, hey, could I ask you a personal question? And my answer back is, yeah, I'm an open book, but that only comes about because people know a certain thing about me, which may lead other people to think different things. So I, the thing I would want to have my kids know from this experience is when you deep down in your gut, you know that something is wrong, then you should be able to stand up to it, no matter the consequences, and then join other people who see that same sort of wrong too. And it's hard to do. And it's a kick in the gut, just like Carrie said, and it's painful. And October 18th is going to be a super difficult day to say goodbye yeah. to kids and teaching and, and all the joy that's there in the classroom and everything else. But when there's an issue of right and wrong, you got to stand by that. That's what I want my students to take in. And, and let me say, I, I know Joe real well, and I want to, um, and I know, I, I would think we all agree that for some people taking the vaccine is the right thing to do. And in no way do we, have we dissuaded, I've actually encouraged um, family members um, towards the vaccine for, for different reasons. And so it, it's not that we're saying we're right, you're wrong. It's saying for us, we're making this decision for us. And for us, a lot of us, it's a religious decision that's been bathed in prayer. Um, but I applaud people that have believed that taking the vaccine is the right thing to do and they've done it. And, um, you know, I, I give them my support. And so in no way are we, are, are, are we trying to get in the way of that ever. Have you guys ever seen such a media frenzy or, or so people so quick to judgment on when you come out and do something like this, because I'm talking now as one of you, I'm not a teacher, but I have never seen my reputation uh, pushed and beaten up and been called names and, and, and an anti-vaxxer when I'm not. I don't care if you get a vaccine or if you don't. I, mine is the whole thing is the mandate. Don't tell people what they have to do. Um, that is not the job of government. It's not the job of culture. It's not the job of society. We each live in a country that is free. And now they've made freedom into a bad word. It's the new F word. And so you can't even say freedom anymore. And it's like, I have never seen anything as, and, and I don't mean frightening because I'm not scared, but I do like you, you know, this is my personal belief. And it used to be that people would hedge and give you some room on that. There's no room if you're not outside that cultural message. And I think that is a really, as a teacher, I would be really concerned about the future of what we're teaching our children 
through this is hasn't it always been ever since I was at Thurston when a dozen, two dozen children were shot and two young men, Ben Walker and Michael Nichol Lawson Jr. were gunned down and killed by bullies, by bullying. Bullying was the issue. And here we are telling kids one thing, not to be bullies, and then acting like total bullies to people who disagree with us on certain things. And it is the same thing. It is the same thing. And Rick, there's a difference between the mandate and what Springfield's doing. Springfield could approve religious exemptions like they do for kids and then allow us to still be in the classroom. And that's what other districts, smaller districts are doing that are facing staffing shortages. Um, we're facing a huge staffing shortage. This is the right thing to do to approve. Just to prove if it's a valid religious exemption, approve it. And we're we're not like adding huge numbers of the unvaccinated with in, in those schools. But that way, the schools can still function well. I'm like, I could where, see this returning to distance learning. On all this? Where's the because where, if you guys pay dues, so you have a union. Are they standing up for because because my dad was an OEA representative for his whole career. Um, kind of like the ACLU, whether you agree with it or not, you're supposed to back your employees because they paid their dues. Are they backing you at all? Uh, the union's response to me when I reached out was that they bargained for us not to lose our job rights. So they bargained for us not to be terminated. But you don't get paid. That's not like you have a job. Right. I mean, that's, that's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's total bullshit. If you don't, well, oh, and oh my God! <laughs> and I'm not allowed to look. Funny, I'm laughing because that's absolutely. But that is, yeah. So you you can stay on the payroll, but you're not getting any money. So you there, we covered you. Oh ask, ask them if they can look for a job in education elsewhere. Because right. I'm a snob, I'm different. I'm not under the union, but can you guys look for a job in education elsewhere? So we Joe, do not. What do you want to answer that, Joe? Yeah, Why? no, Why? we can't enter as part of our contract. We're not allowed to look for other employment um, in in the education field, and we're not allowed to draw unemployment either during this time. So both of those revenue what? streams are cut off because we're still in contract with Springfield. Yes. So we resign you. our position. Whoa, 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 whoa! So they hold you in your contract. Your unions keeping you in the contract, the district's holding you basically hostage and you don't get paid and you can't go find another, another job in teaching. Correct. Yes. Do you guys, does my audience, do you hear that? I mean, I'm sorry. Hear that silence. That's like, that's like unbelievable. So, all because you have a different idea about whether or not to get a vaccine or not. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and that's where, um, Rick, what Nick said earlier was so helpful, I think, because none of us are crusading and telling people what to do about that particular issue. We're just presenting the facts that we're dealt with regarding our job and then hoping that that stunned silence you were mentioning just a minute ago sets in for people and it has for many people who've heard that too. Mm -hmm. 
the union and 4J. Yeah, I haven't talked to 4J teachers, but I'm sure they're probably in the same similar boat. Yeah. So last thing I'll ask you, and um, and anybody can answer, you can all answer. Um, if you could sit down with Governor Brown right now, what would you what would you ask her or say to her? I don't, Rick, I don't know that I have anything to say with Governor Brown. We're, we're really laser focused on what's happening in, in just Springfield right now. Um, and so I, I would, not to dodge that question, but but I would just again say to Springfield Public Schools, you know, please make an exception so we can be in the, the classroom. And as far as community members go, we, we have a rally tomorrow, 58th and Main Street, where we want to show support. Uh, we don't want any hate. We, we don't want anything like that. We want to pick up our trash. We want to be respectful, but we want, we just want people to know what's happening because we believe that in Springfield, if enough people know that this is happening, that maybe there, maybe there can be some, a policy change and maybe we don't have to go off. I'm like, it's almost like going off a cliff and maybe we don't have to, maybe we don't have to do that. So that's our hope. Okay. Cause I, and, I'm so glad you guys brought, because I don't think people in this town, I didn't know that you can't, you are stuck. I mean, you can't go do anything. I mean, you are basically being held hostage. And I don't think the community of Springfield will put up with that for anything. That is despicable. And you can't, Oh my God. That's like the contract they used to have with me. If I went to another station, but they're all illegal. So they couldn't use them anyway, but they try to keep you from moving to another place. Um, that is just completely a, just a horrible thing. So the rally tomorrow night is a peaceful rally. It's just to come out and it's not to be against the district. It's to show support for the teachers, the custodians, the, the medical, anybody that's in the school district, the, you know, the assistants um, who are choosing not to have the vaccine is to support them and you guys, numbers matter. Yeah, and if yeah. a bunch of people show up, um, the board um, could possibly change its mind. Um, and, and that obviously needs to happen. Um, God, I'm so glad I'm not a newscaster anymore. I can say what I really think. This is so fun. Um, you guys, thank you. Yeah, I, I, somebody told me, I can't remember now what the definition of courage was. But we, somebody should look it up because you guys are very courageous. And I think that's going to take a lot of people being very courageous to start. It, it can't just be, you know, a few teachers and a few medical workers. It's got to be our community at whole standing up and saying, listen, we're not against vaccines. We're not saying we're just saying you can't treat our people like this and make people nurses lose their careers and teachers and custodians and people who've been dedicated, frontline workers, as we were calling all of you during the beginning of the pandemic, and now um, we're all over you. And that's just not the right thing to do. Um, thank you all three for coming on here and having the guests to do that. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. And what time is the rally again? Four to six? Four to six. Drop anytime you can. We got good Oregon liquid sunshine. And so, you know, bring that code umbrella. Uh, and we really want to be respectful to our police officers and businesses. So if you park somewhere, buy something there. Where is 58th and Maine. Okay, so right out there in that Thurston area. Right in front of Thurston. We're planning another one um, on the west side of Springfield because this is Springfield wide. We're just trying to pick the safest locations where we can show, show support. And another day? Is that another day? 
that's another day. Yeah, we're looking forward to there's a school board meeting on October 11th and they're anticipating a bigger crowd. So we're hoping to fill that up, too, um, so that we can the school board has said that they want to hear from the community. And so we want to respectfully in a kind and non-hateful way just share where we're coming from and hope we can get some change. All right. Thank you, Carrie, Joe and Nick. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. Okay, so we're going to have a live out there tomorrow uh, doing something with that as well. Um, I just hate when I learn stuff like that live on the air because it um, I cannot help but respond. Um, that segment was brought to you guys by Buck Sanitary Service. Um, Got to give props to those teachers for doing that, for coming out and doing that. Um, you guys, now our show got messed up because, um, <laughs> because of Facebook today. Uh, they've had their issues, so we got a little messed up. So Bill London is now doing a newscast for us, and I'm going to put that in right here. Normally, that would be at the top of the hour, but I'm going to put it in right here because it didn't get in there. So at seven minutes, I'm going to come back with a few closing thoughts, and then we'll get on with it. But this is your new local news. This is what you can watch. From the KPNW News Center, it's time to get real. The Oregon Health Authority's average daily case count finally has receded below the 2020 peak. The summer's Delta-fueled surge wreaked havoc in Oregon, resulting in average daily case counts that for the past seven weeks had stood below above the winter apex. Oregon is now averaging about 1,531 cases a day over the past week, and Friday marked the first time since August 11th that the rolling average dipped below last year's high of 1,534 average daily cases, which was set on December 5th. The summer wave resulted in record-breaking hospitalizations in September produced more COVID-related deaths than all but one month. The Oregon Health Authority released a COVID-19 forecast showing more declines through the middle of this month. Depending on the rate of transmission, Oregon could see 1,500 daily cases down to about 955 daily cases. Hospitalizations are also projected to fall. The Oregon Employment Department is helping health care providers fill 15,000 vacant positions statewide. Employment Department Director David Gerstenfeld says they're hosting a Hiring Heroes in Healthcare virtual job fair coming up this Wednesday. More than 30 employers have signed up for the event that runs from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're also promoting this event nationally to recruit more talented healthcare professionals to come and live and work in Oregon. Now, you may be asking, 15,000 openings in Oregon in healthcare? How did that happen? Well, part of it is due to Governor Kate Brown's decree that all people working in healthcare surroundings need to be vaccinated or they would be fired. Former Vice President Mike Pence took the stage as the keynote speaker at a fundraiser for the Washington County and Oregon Republican Party on Saturday night. Pence headlined the county's annual Reagan Day dinner. U.S. Representative Cliff Benz and Oregon House Minority Leader Christine Drazen also spoke at the event after thanking supporters for attending. 
Pence spoke out against critical race theory being taught in schools and also President Biden's infrastructure plans and the situation and the ongoing problems in Portland. Pence is widely considered to be mulling a 2024 presidential bid. As the COVID-19 vaccine rollout continues, researchers are trying to figure out why certain populations just won't get the jab. Oregon State University published a study showing that there's a vaccine hesitancy in particular within the Latino community, and they looked at what may be done to try and solve it. Now, the report claims the lack of trusted medical sources, bad experiences with medical care, and widespread so-called misinformation has contributed to vaccine hesitancy for Latino communities. Jonathan Garcia, an associate professor with the College of Public Sciences in Human Health at Oregon State University, says that in Oregon, only 9% of those who are Latino have actually been vaccinated, and Latinos represent 13% of the state's population. And he says that looking at the numbers and doing interviews with Latino families, they found out that the strongest way to try and convince Latinos to get the jab was to tell them that protecting their family. They said that was the strongest motivator. Over the past 10 years, Oregon's Latino population has actually grown fairly quickly. Latinos have settled all over in big cities and also small rural towns. According to the numbers released in the 2020 census, Oregon's Latino population grew by about 31%, while overall population grew by 11%. Data shows the same thing happened in pretty much every other state, though. The 2020 census shows there's nearly 140,000 more Latinos living in Oregon than in 2010, and Multnomah, Marion, and Washington counties happen to have the largest Latino populations. Rural counties east of the mountains, such as Murrow and Malheur counties, saw their Latino populations actually grow the most. According to lead researcher Charles Reinerson at the Population Research Center at Portland State University, he says that the Moro and Malheur counties, for example, all have a lot of agricultural processing plants, distribution and warehousing all along Interstate I-84 and says those particular areas added a lot of jobs in those particular fields over the last two decades. Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum has filed lawsuits against Yamhill and Harney counties asking circuit court judges in those counties to order that new state gun control laws remain fully in force and fully enforceable. Rosenblum says the lawsuits are in response to the adoption of ordinances in those counties, making them Second Amendment sanctuaries. And she says that they nullify new statewide gun control laws. The ordinances also provide that responsible officials who enforce the state's gun control laws could be prosecuted or subjected to private lawsuits. Rosenblum said the law of Oregon remains in force and enforceable, notwithstanding those, in her words, invalid ordinances. She also said that while the lawsuits are addressed to only two Oregon counties, other counties have enacted similar Second Amendment sanctuary ordinances, and her office is prepared to fight those too. Oregon is going to be receiving about 180 Afghani refugees in the next few months. The Biden administration told Governor Kate Brown's office the refugees are being processed at military bases throughout the nation and will arrive in their respective states in the coming weeks. 
That, according to Salah Ansari, a regional director at Lutheran Community Services Northwest, the agency is one of three federally contracted refugee settlement groups in Oregon, along with the Catholic Charities of Oregon and Ecumenical Ministries of Oregon. The number of refugees coming to Oregon is small compared to California, which is going to be taking in at least 5,255 refugees so far. And a little good news, the nearly month-old 92,000-acre Cougar Peak fire burning about 15 miles northwest of Lakeview has reached 85% containment. The fire management teams have transitioned to local units as of today. The Cougar Peak fire closure order on the Fremont Wynema National Forest is still in place, and there's still firefighters out there doing repair work, patrolling, falling hazard trees, and moving heavy equipment on roads in and around the fire area. And a big thank you to all the firefighters that did the hard work this summer trying to keep our forests from going up completely in flames like they did last Labor Day. From the KPNW News Studios, hope you're keeping it real. Now here's Rick. All right, Bill. <clears throat> well, <laughs> so Bill London will be joining us every night uh, to give you guys a wrap of the news around Oregon and what's going on. And tomorrow night, Kim Stark will be here, uh, formerly of KEZI. She's joining us to do a new segment called Elements of a Healthy Life. And uh, she'll be doing all sorts of stuff sponsored by Elements Health Clubs of Lane County. Um, we will be doing segments and interviews um, all over the place. We're having a, a live tomorrow from the rally with the teachers tomorrow night. Um, and we're going to provide a lot more information for you. Uh, we've had some investors come in and they said, we love what you're doing. We want to include more. So we brought Bill on board and Kim, and I've got a young gentleman named Corbin Tolan that uh, we're going to introduce you to tomorrow night. He's going to be doing some stuff for us. And uh, we're just going to be, we, we want you to get information that we think is real and uh, that, uh, that opens your mind. And it's not something that we're, we're not repeating a narrative. Um, and uh, one other thing I want to leave with tonight, a, a really good friend of our community uh, of ours, uh, passed away this morning, David Walker, um, former news anchor at KVAL for many years and former news anchor at KCBY-TV in Coos Bay. Uh, he passed away this morning at 67 uh, from medical issues. Um, David was a great guy. Um, first person I ever anchored with. I was 1985. I was a young cub reporter uh, coming down from Portland to, to uh, Coos Bay, Oregon, and David took me under his wing and would tell me, uh, what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong. And mostly what I remember what David told me was not to worry so much about stuff. <laughs> that it was just television. And uh, but anyway, David passed away. His uh, former wife, Mary, passed away a few years ago. He has another wife. So our, our, um, our thoughts and prayers go out with his family, his wife and children, and all the people that knew him and, and respected him. Um, you know, he was a uh, one of, the, one of the faces of Eugene for many years. And when he did an interview with you, he was respectful. He wasn't like uh, uh, some, some reporters. He was very respectful about that. So David, you will be missed uh, very much. And who could ever forget that David Walker voice? <laughs> and he's a good man. All right, you guys, well, I hope you enjoyed it and uh, tune in tomorrow night. Uh, we're gonna be on Monday through Thursday and providing lots of stuff for you. So uh, again, Get involved, stay involved, um, don't let them get you down. And share this on your page so other people can see it and, uh, and get educated and maybe get inspired to be courageous instead of follow. I can only hope.
Oh, 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 oh,